How can international moves be better supported to ensure people feel more secure and less anxious when moving? Hello and welcome to the Thriving Abroad podcast. I'm Louise Wilde, your host for these conversations, where we share stories, strategies and tips to help the globally mobile build thriving international lives. And I'm so excited to welcome you to this episode. It's a bit longer than normal because I'm sharing a panel discussion I ran recently with Michelle Barr-Pereg from Relocate Yourself and our five wonderful guests. We talked about the future of relocation support and I will reveal who my guests were in a minute. Together though, they bring a wealth of professional and personal insight gained from many personal international moves and their work as relocation, global mobility and intercultural professionals. If you are globally mobile as an expat, assignee, expat partner, immigrant, you'll recognise and resonate with much of what we discuss. I would love to know your views and your answers to the questions we ask in the podcast. And if you'd like to share your experience or views with me, then you can get in touch by email louise at louisewilds.com. For international HR, global mobility, relocation service providers, the pandemic and the relocation pause that has resulted has created space for reflection about what really matters to people when moving internationally. This discussion will provide interesting perspectives from people who've been there and done it multiple times. As ever, for more information, you can go to the Thriving Board website and look for this episode, episode 74. There you'll find the full transcript and details, bios of all the participants. And while you're there, why not sign up to receive the regular Thriving Board newsletter? And I can take keep you up to date with all the Thriving Board news. And while you're at the website, you can take a look around at all the other great podcast conversations. I hope you enjoy this panel discussion. Hello and welcome to this panel conversation where we're going to discuss international mobility, lessons learned in 2020 and how we can better support moves abroad. So 2020 has been a challenging year for all and it has posed particular headaches and issues for the internationally mobile community and those that support them. And during this conversation, we want to investigate and understand the experiences of 2020 and mobility during 2020 and identify what we can learn and apply to improve the way international moves are initiated, managed and supported in 2021 and beyond. So to do that, today I've invited six guests to the conversation and I'm going to ask them all to introduce themselves in a minute. But we're going to ask each of them to talk for five minutes, asking three questions, answering, sorry, three questions. They've been invited to share their experiences, thoughts and views. So the questions we've asked are, what are the main challenges people are facing when moving and living internationally? So pre and during pandemic observations are welcome. Where does existing support fall short? And what do expats and the internationally mobile want or need these days when moving abroad. So, can I ask everyone to just very briefly introduce themselves, um, just giving name and the way you're currently living. So, Monica, if you'd like to go first. 
Yes, hello everyone. My name is Monica Scegneri. I am an executive coach in intercultural training and an expert myself. I'm currently in Italy, even if I was supposed to be in India, but because of this pandemic right now, I am in Italy. Brilliant. Thank you, Monica. Carolina. Hi, everybody. I'm Carolina Porto. I'm an international transitional coach and therapist. I'm also a seasoned expat myself and serve the international mobile families. Um, I'm living in Barcelona right now and have moved here this year. I have managed to leave Switzerland and come here this year. <laughs> Brilliant. Look forward to hearing more about that in a minute. So, Isabel. Hello. Good afternoon. My name is Isabel Gudastri. I'm a business consultant and founder of Guide Expat and the co-founder of Here We Are Italy. So guys, Guide Expat is helping international newcomers to settle in more smoothly, hopefully, into the Italian life, in the private life and the professional life. And uh, Here We Are Italy is part of the Here We Are Global community. So, and I'm usually commuting between Germany and Italy, being married with an Italian. Brilliant, thank you very much, Isabel. Michelle? My name is Michelle Barpering, and I'm British and live in Amsterdam more than 40 years now. And I'm a relocation specialist, global relocation specialist, and uh, recently begun to work with um, online systems as opposed to hand-holding traditional relocations. So I'm a bit of an innovator. Thank you. <laughs> Brilliant. Look forward to hearing about more of that innovation in a moment myself. Catherine. Hi everyone, my name is Catherine. I'm from Denmark and I'm an international human resources business partner. I focus on international recruitment and expat management. I live in Shanghai in China and I've been here for almost three years. And I just recently started a new job with a Chinese software company. Brilliant, well, thank you very much. It's lovely to have you joining us today, Catherine. And then Laura, Laura. Hi everyone, my name is Laura Schmidt. I'm currently based in Oxford. I'm a business consultant. I've been a hotelier most of my life and surrounded by expats all of my life. I uh, have relocated many times alone and with my family. Uh, lived in, uh, originally from Argentina, lived in New York, uh, 16 years in Barcelona, and now two years in Oxford. And I work with Relocate Yourself. Brilliant. Lovely. Thank you very much, Laura. And just to finish the introductions, I'm Louise Wiles. Um, I am an expat change and transition coach, and I am host of the Thriving World podcast. And I currently live in the UK, which is my home country, um, having lived 20 years on and off around Europe in mainly Spain and Portugal, um, returning to the UK five years ago, and currently wondering why, but hey. <laughs> That's another story. So let's get into the conversations and then hear your perspectives on the three questions that I asked. So I'm going to be quite strict with the time. Um, so I will keep track of it. And after five minutes, I will ask you to to, to wrap up if you haven't, very politely. Um, and if there's something that you, we haven't heard, we can come back to that at the end if we have, have time. Um, so Monica, can I ask you to start? Sure, with pleasure. 
So my name is Monica Shiglieri. I am an interculturalist and an executive coach. I've been living abroad with my family for the past 15 years in three different continents, Europe, America, and Asia. Uh, we relocated without counting the three times in Italy, seven times. So we are pro. <laughs> I have three kids. <laughs> Our first one was born in Italy, uh, the second one in London, and the third one in uh, US, in California. And apart from the very uh, first relocation in London, where we had the classic city tour and house hunting, we managed all the relocation by ourselves. And this was a choice. Um, to be honest, I rarely found a relocation service that was tuned with our needs. The feeling was that there was an offer there uh, aligned with who, who we were. Uh, as experts and, and within my network of expert and client, we often share uh, this feeling. Um, I did a survey recently and called should I stay or should I go? Collecting uh, over 140 answers from people over 10 nationalities. And there is no time right now to talk about this in details, I know, but I want to share with you two main conclusions I have about this expert pandemic geography, linked also to what I think needs to change in supporting experts now more than ever. Looking at the final data, I find out that more than 74 people who answered to my survey were experts with over five years of life abroad. And this is a crucial starting point. Five, more than five years and in more than one country. One of the main questions I've asked in my survey was, did you leave your host country during this pandemic? And of course, why? Well, the results on this question for me was quite surprising because 77% said that they didn't leave. They stayed mainly for two reasons, quite opposite, but very interesting. First, because of their companies. They were afraid to lose their job. But majority just said that home were exactly where they were in that moment. It's true that in many countries, they cancel your visa if you leave. I know it as a fact because in India happens this and also in Australia and many other places. But this was not the main reason that people pointed out when they say, I decided to stay. They managed to stay in countries uh, with a very complicated health system, away and often separated from their family, but they stayed, they, they are still there, and they are coping with all of this. So this made me think about what is going on right now. And um, I will share my observation about long-time experts, which is actually mainly what came out from my survey, but also new experts. For long-run experts, I think we are beyond the simple guide on cross-cultural training during these tough times. And I find the perfect house for you because now, but even before, they generally have already uh, what cross-cultural training is all about. The mindset, the cultural readiness, they don't need so much support on the practical side simply because after many years, 
you as an expert of long term, you have, for example, a network that covers the globe and, um, and they generally find more information by themselves. I think that they need a more complex and sophisticated approach to their needs, also because many of the cross-cultural scales are, scales are a bit updated. Uh, I think it's more about working with they already strong mental toughness because the 77% of people said, no, I stayed. And mainly because I decided to. And personal resilience, I think is about working on how to stretch and applying locally what they already know about working in a multicultural environment, also virtually now, because they did it already. Uh, all the executive I met and I work with, they always warn me at the first meeting, please don't even start me with direct communication, indirect communication, because I know that already. So, so far, I managed to reassure them that my approach is not starting with general statement. Uh, in, in case of new experts, so I think the approach is different is they need to work more on their knowledge about change and new culture, especially now about change in new environment, tough environment, difficult situation, and to explore what is their blind spot, meaning what they don't know, they don't know. And, and I think this work needs to start before actually be in a new uh, country, not when you are there completely overwhelmed by practical requirements that generally uh, cultural training and transition makes them feel everything worst. So I think the new expert needs more knowledge and more work on biases, self-awareness, because they didn't train that muscle before and, uh, and they need a lot of work of working on resilience. The message I generally give to new experts, and especially now, it's, it's not going to be okay. And it's okay. Let's see how we can deal with all of this. Seasoned experts know this already. Uh, with this crisis, I don't know how many experts are going to be because, of course, there are going to be some quite big economical impact. But we have a bunch of long-term experts around the world right now that needs an approach, I think, that must take in consideration that they are different. They have already altered cultural traits, as I say. High resilience, ability to read and manage complexity, and I think that relocation companies need to module these differences and treasure them and empower them. And even companies and HR invest more in training resilience, mental toughness, well-being, not only about filling the gap on cross-cultural uh, skills. So this is what I saw from my survey. I mean, we have a big bunch of superheroes, long-term resilient experts out there that need to be supported in a more sophisticated and integrated way than before. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Monica. I think there's lots of food for thought there. And I, I love the distinction between the short and long-term experts. I, I've, I've always thought that we do develop this schema for moving in our minds. And I'm quite sure, um, you know, we know how to get going. If you've done it several times before, you can start to apply that immediately, can't you? Um, great, thank you very much. So let's move on then to um, Carolina. So Carolina, interested to hear your response to that as a 
multiple mover <laughs> what did you say 11 times so <laughs> say so, i'm i wanted to bounce back to monica because i love the word sophistication that she has used mm -hmm. i was not using that word and i'm going to use it from now on because it's really it's really spot on um so I already presented myself, Carolina, and one of the interesting things is that I work in four languages. I work in Portuguese, French, Spanish, and English. So I have like a very broad base of clients because we go through all these languages. And uh, the, I moved 11 times internationally without counting any of the time, all of the times we moved inside the countries. I have two children. They were both born in Dubai and uh, they are 14 and 12 and themselves, they moved, they moved six times. So um, it's quite a challenge. And we moved this year, which was like <laughs> unexpected. And uh, it was very brave, I have to say. It was really a black belt move this year. Uh, although I already had 10 in my bag, yeah? So uh, the challenges, I, I go straight into the, to the questions that Louise asked us because uh, I think the main challenge for any expat is to be able to control the anxiety of the unknown. This is really the main headline that appears and it will be underlined all other kinds of of problems or issues that will pop up during consultations and even to myself, my children, my husband and whatever. Yeah. Uh, together with that is the missing sense of self because we are creating ourselves again in a new country and we are trying to be open to this new experience while we're still grieving about the old one and it's very mixed. So it's more like on the psychological side that we would need this support. And I was thrilled when Louise invited me for this conversation because I just finished writing a book about moving in Portuguese. And one of the chapter is uh, what companies and relocation companies could be doing and could look at as a next step to, to support the new expats. So it's, uh, I was really <laughs> very happy to be able to talk to you about it. I'll be very short and then after we can discuss more about it. So the support is falling short exactly where it's needed, on the emotional and uh, psychological support, on the non-written rules, on the underlying information. Everything else is on the internet, let's face it. Yeah? Even if you don't speak the language, you have Google Translate. All my websites today, because I'm living here in Barcelona, tra uh, translate already from Catalan to English, so I'm able to read it. I have to guess sometimes, but you can still get the, the, the grips of it. Of course, it's, it's, it's very different the need from a new expat, someone that is moving from the first time and someone that has moved at least one time because you already feel that stepping stone that you have learned from the first time, which is fine, but this has to be looked at. Uh, it's not enough anymore to receive a list with uh, names of international schools or lines of buses or whatever. It, this is not what we are looking for because this we can find on the internet. We need someone that is on the ground, that knows the place inside out and that knows the market, knows the culture incredibly well because we will challenge them because we are annoying. We moved several times, especially the ones that moved several times. Yeah? We will be very, very challenging for everybody. And most importantly, they have to understand who is the client at hand. 
So in the end of the day, it doesn't matter if company that is the company that is moving you hired company B to do your relocation and company B doing the relocation is paid only a hundred. And the service we are asking is up here because in the end of the day, it's the name of company B that will be spoken about in our, in our conversations that is not doing the work at a task. So relocation companies, they have to charge their money to be able to provide their service and really do like this um, sophistication job that Monica was talking about. Yeah, We are sophisticated people right now and not because we are better than anyone else, but just because the world is getting really small because we have all the information there. It's really, really important to understand your client. And just a small conversation. So uh, moving out of one country, that I'm not going to say which one, I got a call from company C because company B had hired company C and they had to do the booking of the taxi for me to go to the hotel, the booking of the, to, to go to the airport, I'm sorry, the booking to, for the hotel and the booking of a cleaning person to come and clean the house three things that I could get on the phone and call myself. So companies are also using money to pay someone to do a job that is not needed. So there is like a saving money mm -hmm. tool there that we could be using for something else, right? And if I have one tip for, for companies and relocations, what I thought it was just really a good idea and my clients, they all agree when we, when we talk about it, we need the red carpet first day. Why not, people? Let's see, fruit basket, red carpet, map of the city, someone that shows tickets for, to go to the theater. I don't know, whatever it's relevant to that place, but do a red carpet first day and your employee and our expat will already be set for success. <laughs> Brilliant. Michelle, you want to say something? I find it so fascinating that I'm absolutely jumping up and down in my seat. And, and because what, um, I mean, I'm, your enthusiasm and your knowledge is, 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 is fantastic. So amazing. But I, there is a but, and the but is that um, uh, when relocation companies are working with, uh, with, with, with corporates, if you get a direct client, which is not so easy these days with all the layers in between. I sometimes deal with a client on the ground where I have five emails to send out to all the generally disinterested parties that are on the list. So I started a company, you see, because you've got to the nub of the, the issue. Basically, you need no hierarchy, one person on the ground to do the job who knows everything and who's totally local. And, you, you know, so many of the things that you were saying were absolutely right. However, um, you, you know, I have to go into huge corporates like Cisco or IBM and I have to tell them why this is worth it. And um, it's not so easy. And for 20 years, for example, I've always in my traditional world of being a regular relocation company, I've been flogging spouse support in many different ways, be it uh, uh, needing a job, recruitment, uh, study opportunities, and it's, you know, it's not in the budget. Now with the pandemic, I feel people, the people who are moving need a lot more care. And so therefore, I have a new approach now, which is basically, as I said, I have hundreds of people across the world who are loan relocation professionals, and I match them up 
with my corporate client and they just do the job needed. So again, what was just said was fantastic because sometimes people only want an introduction to a you know, to a private teacher for dyslexic children. I mean, it can be as small as that and it can make the most enormous difference. And so although I'm going off, uh, Louise, I'm going off the beaten track, what I want to say is a lot of what was just said made a lot of sense, but we're working in a corporate world. And when I relocate professors or academics, it's a different thing. They, they have a, a window of things that they really need to do, the rest they could do themselves. And I have another but there, the but is if you have someone by your side or on your shoulder, um, you're going to get an opinion as well as I could find it myself, which is not necessarily true because you need to have a bit of knowledge of the culture, which was said in the first talk, and you need to have knowledge of you know, what is a good doctor for an American? It's a very different person to what is a good doctor for an English person. What is a good doctor for a German will be very different to a French person. So I'm a bit, I'm not, I, I'm not sure one can find information you really need from the internet. I think you can spend hours and hours looking and not be much wiser at the end of your search. But I just very much like the last uh, the last couple of discussions. So yeah, I have a whole speech here that I wanted to say, but perhaps I've overrun my time. But I have to <laughs> say, corporates are not necessarily listening, and as nobody is moving now whatsoever in my world, um, unless they've already been pre-booked. I can tell you that uh, until they know how their figures and their the first quarter of January, you know, next year is going, they ain't going to move many people, only a certain few. So shall I stop now, Louise, before I go nuts? And I won't do my little speech now. You can speak to the others. It's very, I'm very curious to hear what they're all going okay, to Okay, well, let's, let's speak to everyone else first. And then perhaps at the end, we can, you can input <laughs> what else is on your speech yes. there. Okay. Um, okay, so Isabel, would you like to... Tell us about sure, sure. Thank you, thank, thank you. you very much. So my name is Isabel Guidastri, and I just founded Guide Expert. Guide Expert to help the internationals uh, moving into moving to Italy, coming to Italy, to help them to have a softer landing. I'm part of an international community here in Modena, Emilia Romagna, and found out that our chats of this international organization were exploding and always there were the same questions. And so that made me think that there must be something missing. So I was, I was um, researching, reflecting, doing a lot of uh, interviews with these uh, expat partners, training spouses, and um, to offer really the, the proper services for guide expat. I'm running also currently a survey, an online survey, and asking them how soft, how smooth was your start in Italy? And I asked exactly the question, what were the three biggest challenges for you? And surprisingly, I don't know if it's because it's in Italy or because um, there are many fresh expats, they struggled a lot with settlement, with administration, bureaucracy, with housing, mobility, they got stuck not speaking the language, they got stuck because they had to do it alone, and they were not um, 
happily doing it on their own, researching in the internet. So they definitely had a problem and they felt it was a really, really hard way to go and a really um, not smooth landing at all. I asked them also from a range to from one to five, what would you think? How challenging was your start here? And one was very easy and five was very difficult and the average was four. That means they really struggled with that. So, and especially I think healthcare system, uh, Monica being Italian, uh, you, you might know a bit more about it. It's not an easy thing. You have really to understand it if you're an expert, if you're not part of the national healthcare system and you don't get any information, uh, which doctors I can go to, what is, a, what is a, a good hospital, especially in the pandemic, where can I get my swab? Uh, because uh, the, the son is in school, he's coughing, the teacher is calling, said, you have to pick up your son, you have to make a swab. And this lady just arrived, not speaking Italian, said, oh my God, where should I go? What, who can I call? What is the process? And I think that's, that's something really, really challenging. And I found information in general is, is missing in these, in these process. Information also before people arrive here so that they can have an idea of the country they move in because everybody has a different um, idea or feeling moving to Italy, many with the, with the pink glasses on and they get really stuck when they see, oh, bureaucracy is even worse than, for example, in Germany or, oh, nobody's understanding English. So I really have to, to speak Italian. I really have to learn Italian because otherwise I'm really, I'm really kept out. So these are challenges that came out, out of, of my survey, plus the partners that they said, okay, for us, it was very difficult because we, 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 we left our career behind. We, we arrived here not speaking Italian. Many degrees, they are not accepted. So um, nobody can help us how to, how to move forward also professionally. What, what, what could I do? So um, these were the, the three mainly named points where, where people got stuck or the, big, the, big, the biggest challenges. And when I asked them, if you had a magic wand, what would you have loved to have? And they said, well, a go-to person, a person who is going with me, who is uh, taking care of me, whom I can ask the questions, that I have a trust, that I have confidence. Because um, I have also doubts. I know that there are many information available, but to pick the right ones is is sometimes crucial, especially in essential questions like healthcare, like mobility, like taxes. There are so many information around and I would really appreciate and I would like that the companies would listen also that it's crucial that your, your managers, your, the, the families, they have the right information so that they don't end up in chats and, and social media groups asking, so where can I get my swap done? So, I think it's, it's, it's something, um, essential information should be provided from an official source, from a really trustable source that gives you confidence because people want to be serene, especially in these days. You have to give them comfort, in my opinion. We all know that uh, expat lives, they are challenging. They have a lot of demands.
also in in normal situation and now in the special pandemic situation they even need more so when i talked with them and asked them these questions they came out and said give me a nice person a friendly face that is welcoming me so like this uh, concierge package that you mentioned with the with the red carpet and uh, and the flowers something nice also that the partner feels I'm in this too. It's not only that they take care of my, my partner, that the manager, that he is taken care of by the company, but I'm not an add-on. I'm not the plus one. I'm part of the family who, who is moving here and who starts uh, a new life. I'm part of the deal. So I think that's important. Great. Well, thank you very much. So that's really interesting um, because I think it kind of, what you found linked into a lot about what Michelle was saying that you know for yeah we all have different needs and I suppose it's being able to offer something flexible that relates to different people's needs and requirements and some need more support than others and um, and I guess it depends on the country and the language challenge as well for many and um, that's certainly so thank you thank you very much Isabel okay so um Let's move on to, to Catherine then. So Catherine in Shanghai and China. So really interested to hear about the challenges you see expats facing as they're relocating to China. Great. Yeah, so um, my name is Catherine and I'm located in Shanghai in China. Um, so I think that some of the main challenges that people face when moving and living internationally, um, including China, um, we talked a bit about this already, but uh, logistical challenges and also the psychological challenges around um, the unknown and um, alienation. So um, I think for sure the, the first and more obvious challenge being the logistical challenges in terms of knowing your way around the local compliances and legal matters, such as getting your work visa sorted. Um, now, during the pandemic, China has taken uh, really strict measures to contain the virus, so it's extra complicated to enter the country now. Um, and visa centers and embassies, they're changing all the time in terms of timelines and so on. So um, meaning that the, the party now needs more local support in the home country when applying for a visa for uh, a country like China. Um, and also in China, there are many small legal personal affairs um, that you will have to do, such as police registration, which has to be done 24 hours after your arrival or any other time that you travel and get back in. Um, so this year, this sort of thing went online um, in some areas, but not in all areas. Um, and there are just many small details and changes throughout this sort of like, um, yeah, China's bureaucratic world, I guess. And um, it's very complicated to navigate, especially due to language barriers and, and the use of uh, alien platforms that other countries do not use. So you really need someone on the ground who knows about the relevant platforms and, and resources. Um, and, and then when the pandemic went global, uh, just like everywhere else in the world, there has been many cases of irrational fear. Um, and, um, and this has also hit in China um, towards uh, some expats. For example, it's a little bit tricky now. Uh, for expats to travel because some hotels um, in in some places they might um, deny your booking 
just because you're you're not Chinese. Um, so and this can also happen to people looking for apartments now. Um, and it's really hard to tell like where and when it's going to happen. It's just kind of like out of the blue. So I also had a case with an American national whose Chinese wife bought an apartment. Um, and um, and then he entered the apartment. And since he was a foreigner, they said that, well, you cannot register in this compound, unfortunately. So there's just these um, sudden changes coming up this year. And it's it's making things extra complex. Um, getting here and also settling in and managing the culture shock and the additional feeling of alienation that you might get this year, especially. Um, and in general, China does have a history of early repatriations. I mean, it's it's kind of like it's hard to learn the language um, and become fluent fluent in it. I think it's really important to um, to really immerse yourself in the in a local culture. I think it's gonna really give you a better experience in a in a country where it's it can be even harder um, to get those local friendships. But once you get them, your experience becomes one safer and and uh, you f- second you feel less alienated and uh, third it's going to be a more enriching experience. Um, but it does require an expat who is curious and open-minded and patient to develop those relations and then you will have those valuable uh, friendships. Um, but I, I do think that in order to get to that point you do need some uh, strong support um, before you go and also after you arrive. Um, I have some seen some bad examples of relocation support and uh, I would say my own <laughs> uh, move was a little bit hectic um, and the work visa process for China is just very exhausting. Um, there's a lot of things that need to be done beforehand uh, before you even get to the country. For example, you need to uh, double certify your diploma and your non-criminal records and stuff like that. Um, and at that time, um, and there was a lack of budget as well from upper management. So the consequences were that um, I had to apply and, and do everything myself uh, in, in the country that I apply from. And I had to cover all the costs. I had to sort out accommodation myself completely and um, and just like worry about everything at once. Um, um, so I think the problems that arise from that is just um, you might give up in the process or you're going to arrive exhausted. Maybe you're going to have bad performance or enhanced culture shock or maybe even mental and physical health issues or maybe even repatriation. Um, so people definitely need to consider that. And, and I think the expats nowadays, they also really request um, all these sort of um, in-country pre-departure support for the relocation um, because the, the nowadays just the work visas are getting so complicated um, and, and also a lot of loopholes. Um, and, and on top of that, all the post-arrival support that you need in the new country um, with the visa, but also smaller things like setting up a bank account and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think that um, the, the pre-in-country and the post-pre support now is really necessary Um especially due to the pandemic as well. Another thing I think is actually quite 
underestimated, in my opinion, is cultural education. Um, so just to uh, encourage people uh, either from companies or consultants or individuals um, to have that um, pre-arrival knowledge about the country you're going into, the people um, that live there and the history they have and the, the culture in general, the customs. Um, so yeah, I definitely think that for going to a country like China, what would help to feel people, uh, to make people feel more secure and less anxious when moving is support from the, the, the local country that you apply from and the host country uh, when you arrive and before and after. After you arrive, it's a holistic process. And then that education, um, also getting a local friend even before you arrive who can show you about uh, the life there um, and just having that contact person uh, when you arrive. Thanks very much. Yeah, I think around the world, I can imagine in, in China in particular, the, the, the enhancement of the, the challenges from a bureaucracy bureaucratic perspective and, and so on but um i was just speaking to someone this morning moving to the uk and and it's just really interesting the extra you know the, the extra a level of layer of concern and um just it's, it's something that's present in their minds in pretty much everything they ask you know mm. we would like to do x y or z but then what are the restrictions in terms of covid and you know and how are things going to advance and change? And, and, and it just adds a whole another layer of complexity to, to the move. Um, and, and I could definitely hear that coming through from people I'm talking to. So thank you very much, Catherine. So Laura, Laura in Oxford. Oh. So I guess lots of international students in Oxford, Laura. Lots of international yeah. Lots of international students, lots of international professors, lots of international people who come for PhDs. Mm -hmm. But uh, so, so it's a very complex thing, as you all very well know. And uh, our approach is a little bit different in a way to the traditional relocation because, uh, I mean, obviously, and I liked what Carolina said, and most of you talked about the psychological side of it, uh, uh, we call it a, the emotional side. There's a lot of emotion going on when you move, never mind if you are moved as a CEO of a top corporation or if you're a student going to do your undergraduate courses with all the enthusiasm in the world. Emotions are there before the pandemic and more so now. And, uh, and, and relocation has evolved throughout the years and throughout especially the last 20 years or so, because before it was mainly uh, the, the expat the company that relocated the family, sometimes the individual, with, in the old times, it was a big package. So everything was much easier because they, they could access to everything much easier. Uh, right now, budgets are getting smaller. Uh, not everything is covered. So you cannot assume that the children will be able to go to the best international school and continue their IB or whatever program there was or British education or whatever because maybe they won't be able to afford that education so that's something to have into account but 
before we go to, to all that, uh, I, I think that today you have people who relocate and people who immigrate. And not everybody is relocated for a certain period of time, knowing that they're going to move on to the next de destination. There are people who really decide to move into a certain country for whichever reason, usually coming out from political issues in the countries or economical issues in, this, in their countries. Some are originally from Latin America. Latin America lives in a turmoil, so many people emigrate in waves. Many are professionals, many are, are entrepreneurs, and many just move away just to find a job and find a new life. So the spectrum of emotions is very different. The, spect the spectrum of whatever can happen is very different. Many of these start by trying to do it by themselves because there's so much in the internet, and then they realize that it's not as easy as it is, and that arriving into a new country uh, uh, takes a lot of time, a lot of emotion, but also a lot of money, because if you don't know how to spend and where to spend, you can spend, because you're used to a certain, certain things in your country, and when you arrive to a new country, things are different. I mean, I remember people when I lived in Barcelona that were given the list of the uniform for the school, even if they spoke Spanish, they couldn't understand half of what the list said because the words are different. I mean, it's the same language, but there are different words for different countries. And that was, what is this? And then they, they would go and buy the, the, the trainers at the first shop in the corner as they, as they would have done at home. And suddenly, Two, three, six months later, they realize that there is Decathlon, which uh, where they can buy shoes uh, and trainers, which are very cheap, and the children grow out of the shoes, and they can throw them away without spending a fortune. So these very little things at the end of the year is a lot of money. Many people have lost the savings, the savings that they move with to a new country, because sometimes at the end of the month, more or less, the bill is the same. Because, I mean, we all know you can, if we, we've all moved around and it's 20% uh, more, 20% less, but the way you allocate that budget is different in every country. So these are the very little things that this go-to person that Isabel was talking about can tell them, can hold their hands. And sometimes need, people need hand-holding for certain things and not for others. So the spectrum is huge, but definitely the emotional side has to be there. How people are feeling, what, what are the expectations? There are more and more cases where the breadwinner is the woman, and it's not. so the partner is the husband, the one who can maybe work in the new destination, maybe not. What would this person do? I mean, I... I remember this family in Barcelona, for example, who uh, the, the husband never learned Spanish, not to mention Catalan. So he couldn't work. They were British, but he couldn't work because he didn't speak the, the language. So it was a big barrier. So, so many things that can happen and that can have a, a strong influence in how the family develops or how the experience develops in the place, the age of the children, it's not, and, 
as you all know, and you keep moving people and you've moved yourselves, it's not the same moving with small children than with teenagers. The older the children are, the more difficult it is, the more emotional channel ch challenge there is with the children. So many things to have into account. And this gets me to another point that we always analyze, which is what is home? Home is a very different thing for different people. If you're if you're an expat moving every couple of years, three, four years, maybe home is where you come from originally and where you go back to every Christmas or every summer, if uh, maybe not this year with the pandemic, but in normal times, you go back home. The, there's other people who are moving just in principle once, so they want to make home into this new place. And they really want to get into the culture. They really have to get into the language, into the, in, into the habits, into what, into the food. And there are many experts who prefer to live in the bubble because they're going to move again and again and again. So the approach has to be absolutely different to each of those. And I think I've talked enough. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you. Well, I, I think actually... That, that kind of, to me, that brings this thought around the type of support. And I think there's the practical support that helps you make the move and helps you settle in from a bureaucratic perspective. But then, you know, often the criticism about support that companies provide or from diplomatic sources or whatever is that the support stops when you arrive. And actually, I think what you're talking to there is that often there is support that's needed around supporting people emotionally, psychologically as they adjust and settle. And settling takes time, you know, you don't settle overnight, um, adjusting into a new environment and so on. Some people can do that without support and others need it. Um, and it just depends on their circumstances. Um, thank you, so thank you so much. Michelle, do you want to come back with some reflections on, on all of this? Yes, I, I, I do, because I was struck so much by common interests and yet I have seen things in practice over 40 years being in relocation and how the relocation itself has changed from holding hands and giving a lot of uh, what was called red letter days or red day, you know, super fantastic days, which was part of the old system. Um, if you move the, 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 the 25 to 32 year olds, you, they don't want that. Their mindset is different. They often initiate their relocation from start to finish. They want to cross border and they cross border for their own, from their own design and their own desire and their own wishes, but they still come unstuck. So while you have, you know, I have a, a whole list of maybe a hundred tasks that I think are relevant to relocation. It's very interesting that nearly all of you have said, but they may need this and they may need that. And, um, and I think that's wonderful because we, we, we can give a choice. Now I did a big, I did a big uh, lecture for the World Bank in Washington not long ago, and um, I talked about can we create a new relocation service? And how? And there was about seventy-five people in the room, and uh, very much pre-pandemic, of course. And there were about seventy-five people in the room, and I asked the first question: Who was 
dissatisfied with their relocation. And of course, I couldn't count, but I would say three quarters plus put their hand up. And I think that was very, very telling. The World Bank was reasonably surprised. <laughs> but um, it was a discussion I had afterwards. And many of the things that you've all said, all of you have been so to point, even today. It's about designing your own relocation, creating something that you need, uh, whether it's an emotional need or a practical need. I, I, I noticed perhaps that many of you had mentioned about this emotional need. And while I'm with it 100%, if people need to get things done, they need to get things done and they need to get it done with efficiency and they need to get it right and they need to be safe and secure in the choices they've made. And that's why it's taken me many years to develop this new way of working that actually takes into account what people need, how much money they have to spend on it, and what kind of timelines are you working in? Uh, apropos China, you know, you have to do a lot of things beforehand, uh, you know, and, and that's, I hear that a lot, and perhaps many of you would be sympathetic. Where do I start? Where do I start? What do I do first? And that's where a good support person, and I say person advisedly, because for me, nowadays, relocation is about one person helping with the challenges and not a hierarchy like me sending five, you know, having five people on, on an email to say, Mrs. Smith has seen five houses today. And then somebody types back, what areas were they in? Well, who gives, you know, who gives anything on that. I mean, it's so unimportant. But of course, HR need to feel secure in their work. And they can't let everything go. They have a duty of care. And that duty of care now in the pandemic is even more important than ever. And many of the things you brought up about healthcare is very relevant, because the worries about healthcare very often spill out into, into other things. So for example, I'm just in the process of starting a pandemic service, which sounds a bit, you know, a bit scary. But I have had a lot of questions like, who do I go to? I don't understand the rules. What's lockdown? How is it? You can't. You, well, of course, you all are experts, so you understand what that can feel like. Who's going to look after my children if both, real question, if both parents have COVID? I mean, I'm, you know, this was, uh, these things come up. So having a pandemic service with my uh, relocators around the world simply means that it will probably bring out a lot more things than the pandemic issue. Uh, and that's why, to finish off, I believe the traditional relocation services are misguided because it's a holistic approach we need we need a totally holistic approach to relocation if you if you don't have any money for for, for schools as laura mentioned if you don't have a budget for that what are my alternatives where should i live i've only got one car oh there's no school bus at this particular school um you know it it, it you all know it, but it all moves into one big story. And that's what I love about relocation. And that's where it goes wrong. Because if you have a cookie cutter approach, you get a cookie cutter service, which is this, you know, you get two days of housing, one day of uh, settling in. Yes, you get your bank fixed. Yes, you get your visa. 
But it's not about that. It's not about that. It's it's about learning how to do online, you know, online banking in another country. It's simple, but if nobody shows you or explains, it takes a long time to get the answers. And then you're four or five months down the line and you realize I'm not really settled. And I agree with what somebody said about, oh, yes, it was Laura saying, well, some people are there for the long term, some people are short term, they have different feelings. But I think unless you, even if you're short term, you always have to think of where I'm going back to, what will my, so a good relocator would want to know what their longer term plans are, because it's a different way of relocating again. So I would say, I'd love to have more conversations with HR to persuade them otherwise. Um, and I know that one person, one relocator is my dream. That's what I really want to do with my, my next business. I've got, yeah, I shouldn't really add this, but I've recently got investment from Silicon Valley. So I'm hoping to roll this out across the world. Um, I should be playing golf or knitting or something because I'm into my 70s now, but I'm still working. But I was really inspired by your story. And Louise, there's a lot of stories to be had here. And I think we have to follow them up because these people are great. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm really, I'm really interested, actually, just to go back um, yes. to Monica, because, Monica, you were talking about your survey and recognising that you know, 72%, I think, of the people has been abroad for more than five years and, and kind of were quite independent in many ways. So I'm wondering what your reaction, when, when, when Michelle's talking about this kind of practical, personalised support, but with one person, but it is quite a high, you know, potentially could be quite a high level of support, depending on what people choose. How does that fit with your, your perspective and your thoughts from your survey about what people need? And also your own experience, because you have relocated yourself you haven't used external support I wish I had Michelle actually uh, <laughs> <laughs> because what she said makes perfect sense I mean actually it's not absolute it's not opposite it's about the speed you need to spend on different things I mean when you are a long-term expert I mean you know what you need to know so you need to know this 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 and this probably you already got some information but you need that you need people locally there to help you but you know already what you need theoretically even if you're in a different place but when you are like a first time expert you need to spend a lot more time on these general practical things because all your fears are more there the emotional is all attached to these practical things more than others. What about me? What about me comes a little bit later. When you are more seasoned expert, I've seen that is what about me comes before, especially uh, thinking about spouses. I've been and I am still one, uh, sometimes living and working in, in, in countries where I'm not allowed uh, to work. And it was very painful to me. So I had to figure it out what to do legally, but to still accomplish myself. So it's about the speed, but it's about trust. And this is our very important things that we all said, because we need to have trust. The person is actually listening, is not offering a prepackaged thing. 
and more interested in getting like a percentage out of my apartment that is said is kind of feel that is the first desire that the person is supporting me have and this makes to build a different uh support uh, for different experts it is a different speed people want to spend more time in knowledge some people need to spend more time about cross cultural some people need to spend more time about um helping the kids third cultural kids helping the spouse i mean the, the relocator when is very very uh like experience needs to listen carefully understand and and build what is needed uh without a prepackage offer there with different prices already <laughs> thank you monica does anyone else have anything that they would like to add into the conversation at this point carolina I would love to say something because um, I have a practical example of this, that if you don't have one person, you're using the service that you think the person needs. Of course, it's, it, Spain is like Italy, <laughs> that Isabel also said. It's really complicated, the whole admin thing. So the relocation company was paid to help us to get the health card for the public system, which they did. Yeah, And nobody ever told me how to use it. And what, what could I do with that? And where should I go? Who should I call? What? Nothing, nothing. <laughs> so because I speak Spanish and I'm who I am, I went to the health center and I was like, okay, so I have this card. What should I do with that? Because <laughs> it's just like the only time I dared to send the relocation company an email saying, could you please explain to me this? I received a 17-page file. <laughs> with a global information. I was like, sorry, I don't want to read all your files. I want just to know where I can go to have my sick child attended or whatever. Yeah. So it's very practical. So yeah, yeah Monica, we don't we all want to have a Michelle, right? It's just like you want to have one person. It's not only about the holding hands. It's about the smile that is what I said. And it's a bio of it's about understanding the client. And uh, I would like just to, to explain myself, clarify that I did not say that everything you are going to find on the internet, <laughs> but that we need help with whatever it's not there or it's not explained. And uh, corporate companies have a hard time understanding that. I understand mm -hmm. that financially they do. And that's why we have to think how we tell them, okay, you are going to save money here, here, here. Because if you talk money and your employee, my husband had to go like in three different appointments to get his paperwork done in Spain because the, the relocation company didn't do the, the, the right job beforehand. So he didn't have the right documentation. So he missed three days of work instead of missing one, right? Mm -hmm. This kind of thing. Yeah. What you say, what I'm just unmuting myself here. What you say, it rings 100% true. I see it all the time. And I, I love the phrase, what about me? I like that a lot because, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's ignored. It's ignored. And if you don't have a, if you, I always put relocation into three, you know, it's I, um, I, it's me, it's we, and it's us. And when it's, 
when you're alone, when it's just I, you still have a lot of issues. In these times of pandemic, I'm hearing that young people, young IT people, they move to a new place, but they don't have the time to build up the friendships or the community because they're working from home. So you're even more stuck. So corporates, I mean, I'm not in that area, but corporates also have to understand that there's new people on the job who are sitting at home in a strange flat in a strange country. And um, I can tell you out of all the groups, the young people that are on their own are having the hardest time. They really are. That's what I hear on my grapevine. But as soon as you become an us, you have to give the people more time, more, more services, and more and many more of the things that need to be spoken about need to be spoken out as soon as you become a, a unit because everyone has different needs. And it depends very much when you move. If you move and you've got a partner and you're terribly in love, it doesn't mean you're going to have a successful relocation because you don't know each other well <laughs> enough to have one. And all I've seen, yeah, yeah, it's 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 very <laughs> script, but anyway, I won't go on. But I really, again, I say it, and I, I can't say it enough. I think if if it was up to me, I would like to talk to each one of you separately and hear your story because I think I can incorporate it into my philosophy of what people need when they move. So again, thanks a lot, and thanks, Louise, for putting this together. Really great. <laughs> Okay. Isabel, I think I can see you were waving. Have you got something you want to <laughs> <Yeah>. say? <laughs> thank you. Thank you. No, I just wanted to, to, to confirm what, what is needed is really information. Um, the, the, the partners, they are highly qualified. They are skilled persons. They want to know before also how life could be. They want to know it. And uh, if they also, when they arrive, they want to know how things are working. So, and if they don't get this information, as Carolina said, for the healthcare, they, they think, why, why are we kept like stupid? So why, why aren't we respected in a way? Because we are, we are smart persons. So explain us. And then with, together with this uh, nice person at our side, we're going to rock it. So they feel, they feel strong. They feel aligned then. They have the trust. And then they feel, uh, they feel comfortable. So information, information, information. And I think that's not so difficult for companies. I know that they think in other, they think in ROIs, they think as an investment. So I would love to make them a calculation saying, okay, you invested in that manager, but as uh, Carolina said, the manager couldn't go to work for three days. So he lost three days of productivity. So that's not going into his global mobility ROI. You understand? So give them the support, give them the information, give them the person that he isn't bothered. He can focus on his job. He can go or she, hopefully more she's in the future, <laughs> uh, that, that they can really focus on the, on the work and they don't have to be bothered by the partner who says, I, I, I don't understand. Whom should I ask? Can you ask at your job? Do you have somebody? So that's not effective and efficient. And I would love that companies listen more to to these to make to make this calculation absolutely so has anyone else got anything else they would like to say because i'm conscious we have gone over the hour limit um no 
We okay. could keep talking, of course, but we of course should keep talking. <laughs> we probably actually should have a conference. I don't know <laughs> for a few days. That would be great. No, thank you so much, everyone, for participating. And um, I think it has been a really interesting conversation. Michelle, do you have any parting words before I hit? Stop the well, I just wanted to say because people bring things up all the time and that's why you can keep talking exactly. But I want mm -hmm. to say that you have to think about the well, you probably when you're on the ground, you really do the job in hand. That's why, you know, I think that that's something that's an experience that's so different from everybody else in the mobility uh, world. So the people on the ground are the people that know best, in my opinion. And I've got people in Vietnam and in and other countries far away from a home uh, HQ, but um, who really know everything that a, a family or person or individual needs to know. But, you know, you talk about having one client, which may be the family, but you've got in relocation, you've got the family, the, the human resource department who just sends somebody out and then absolves all interest in it. And you've got the new HR manager, which knows that it's very nice to tick all the boxes. You've got your family coming in and the relocation company is going to do A, B, C, D, tick, 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 tick. They've got no interest in where they've come from and they've very rarely got an interest um, in, 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 you know, uh, have they got a house? Good. Have they got a school? Good. That's all we need to know. And in fact, as money is getting less and companies have really got to now fight for, for so many things, um, as, as we talked about before, I, I think that we will get more to the essence of what's really needed. And I think, you know, you ladies have got a, got a good idea of what's really needed. I think I've got a good idea of what's really needed. So maybe we can change the world. That's all. Brilliant. Well, I think that's a great way to end the conversation. So thank you all very, very much. And thanks for listening today. Remember to access the blog post and transcript, go to Thriving Broad and look for episode 74. And do get in touch if there is any way in which I can support you. You can email me directly, louise at louisewiles.com. And also, don't forget to subscribe for the regular podcast newsletter. I can keep you up to date with all the latest Thriving Abroad news. And thank you once again to my wonderful panel for joining me today. Remember, go and check out their details, their bios on the blog post for episode 74 at thrivingabroad.com. So I'll be back soon with the next episode in the Thriving Abroad podcast series. Meanwhile, take care and stay well wherever you are in the world. Bye-bye for now. Okay.